0: Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of the Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as Pastor Randy takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're beginning in Chapter 1 of Revelation, where we discuss the blessing that follows the study of this book, as well as our need to be filled with the Spirit, and most importantly, our salvation through Jesus Christ. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue. Our journey in
1: the Word. Uh, Go to chapter 1. We're going to pick up in there this morning. And um, in fact, let's just uh, read for context this morning. I'm actually going to back up a little bit because when we did the introduction over the last couple of weeks, I actually skipped over some verses and I didn't realize that I did that until after it was over. And so there are some verses I want to catch this morning as we get there. But Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven stands one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. We looked at verses, uh, we looked at verse one, and then the following week, I jumped and did like verses four through six, thinking we did all first three verses, and we didn't. And so I do want to go back just briefly and take a look, because I think there's some important stuff. Look again at verse one. He says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. And so, you know, we did look and and we know that this is not John's revelation, right? This is not John's revelation. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to John with the intent that would be translated to the seven churches, but in the broader scope being given to all of us today. That as we begin to look at this, we can have a sense of what God is telling us the future holds. And John is nothing more than a scribe. So keep that in mind. He's just writing down the things that he sees. But it tells us here about John. It says, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. So who bore witness to the word of God? It's saying many, you know, a lot of people, when you think about this, they're intrigued by, by, prophecy, and and this is a book of prophecy, but they're intrigued with it for the wrong reasons. A lot of people are drawn to the prophetic scriptures simply because they're full of fascinating things. You know, they're intrigued by the mysteries that come with it. And a lot of people come to these scriptures to find some new and some super spiritual topic that they can talk about or just kind of toss around with their friends. Or Some seek, simply seek it out for the thrill it holds for them personally, n- never really intending to... To share it with anyone, I think of, you know, these people that Paul speaks of, or rather the book of, of Acts speaks of uh, in Acts 17:21, It tells us, for all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell... Or to hear some new thing. I think a lot of people are wrapped up in prophecy today within the church, and that's more of the focus than what really should be the focus. You know, it's something new, it's something novel, something I can wow my friend with some new tidbit that I managed to squeeze out of the prophetic scriptures. But none of these reasons are the reasons that we should be studying the prophetic scriptures, especially the book of Revelation. If you're undertaking the study of the book of Revelation simply because you're intrigued and you're fascinated by all of the spectacular stuff that you're going to see uh, played out on these pages as we study it, you won't get much out of this study. Nothing of value anyways. You'll get lots of stuff you may be able to talk about, but nothing really of value because Jesus won't give you much of value if that's where your heart is. You see, the purpose of giving us this revelation is that so we, like John being described here, his servants is what we are, just like John. We're his servants. We're his bond slaves. His intent is to give it to his servants so that we will bear witness of these truths to others and to use it as an opportunity to share the testimony of Jesus Christ with the world around us that needs to hear this. You know, somebody said to me this morning, I pray that God will just ignite the church today. As, as you share this. And, and you know what? There's never been a, a time in history when the church needs to be ignited by the truths that are in this book. But the ignition and the idea of that ignition is not something inward, but it's outward. It's the idea that you and I would glean from this things that would propel us to go out to the people in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our workplaces and to begin to share the truth of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And yes, this can certainly be a catapult for that discussion because looking at the book of revelation and picking up the newspaper each and every day it they're almost synonymous anymore we're seeing these things played out before our very eyes we're coming closer and closer to many of the things that the book of revelation describes there's never been a better time or a greater opportunity for us to share the gospel but if we're only coming to get for ourselves some knowledge for ourselves well, we're going to miss the whole intent and the whole point you see John was given this revelation that he was faithful. He was faithful because he took it and he shared it with the world so that the world would know the truth of what's coming. And consider the fruit of his faithfulness. I mean, think about the fruit of John's faithfulness. How many generations have been touched and and convicted by the truths that are contained in this book? You know, too many people, again, have the wrong motivation when they come to the book of Revelation. I believe it's why there are so many wrong ideas out there that that are circulating around this book and around prophecy in the Christian community. You'll only discover and be able to share truth if your heart is set on finding truth for the right reasons. And what is the right reason? To bear witness to the truth about Jesus Christ. To bear witness of the truth about Jesus Christ, not to bear witness of some supernatural phenomenon that you discover in this book, not to bear witness of the truth of the Antichrist, not to bear witness of the truth of all of the things, the, 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 the bowls and the judgments, not to bear witness of the truth of that. Yes, those things are important because they're included in this book, but ultimately to bear witness of the truth about Jesus Christ. And that's what he says. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Remember, he shared this revelation with people. And now, in a sense, John, the the Holy Spirit is taking what John wrote down that Jesus gave to him. And the Holy Spirit is now sharing that with you and I so that we will take these things and do the exact same thing that John did. Well, look in verse three, he said, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Blessed is he. The book of Revelation is the only book of scripture that comes with the promise of a blessing attached to it. I don't know if you know that, but it's the only book of scripture that comes with the promise of a blessing attached to it. In fact, it comes with a series of blessings that are attached to it as we're going to find a total of seven blessings or seven, we would refer to them as beatitudes in this book that are contained in this book of scripture. This is the first one. This is the first bless, blessed is is that we come across in this book. The rest are found in Revelation 14, 13, Revelation 16, 15, Revelation 19, 9, Revelation 26, Revelation 22, 7, and Revelation 22, 14. Did you write all those down okay yeah all right i just see me afterwards and i'll give them to you all right we're going to come across them anyway so you just make a note this is only the first of seven that we're going to find and and here's this first blessing it's directly connected to this book itself this is the blessing that's connected to this book whereas all the others are going to be blessings that you'll receive from other things that this revelation will discuss but this first blessing is a blessing about this book itself But note the blessing that you receive from this book, I believe, is conditional on several things that he gives to us here. He says, number one, the blessing is contingent upon our what? Reading the book. Blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy. The word read in the Greek literally means not just to read like I do in the morning when I'm sitting quietly by the fireplace with my headsets on. And by the way, I don't put music on because I can't multitask anymore. I just put them on so I don't hear a sound outside what I'm looking at, you know. But, But the idea isn't that kind of silent reading. The word that's being used here in the Greek literally has to do with reading aloud reading aloud or to read publicly in other words this promise of a blessing comes not just from the private reading of this book but from the public reading of it implied as the public study as we study it together just like we're doing right now you know there are a lot of churches i believe that are missing out on a blessing because they don't teach this book to their congregations they don't teach this book to their congregations A lot of churches don't find this to be a book worth studying. I, you know, I I told you guys this, but even when we first started the work and I had taught Genesis and I can't even remember the order anymore, but we were going through Genesis, Exodus, we were working our way through there, and then we jumped to New Testament. I did the book of John, and then I did the book of Galatians, and then I was talking after I had done John, before I did Galatians, I had thrown it out to the congregation and said, I'm thinking about teaching the book of Revelation next. And I had a number of people who came up to me afterwards and said, well, we don't want to tell you what to do, but, you know, I think there's more worthwhile books that we ought to be spending our time in to have more practical things for us. And you know what? I gave ear to that the first round. And then I finished the book of Galatians and I said, you know what? I don't buy that. I don't buy that because when I read the book of Revelation, I find great practical things in it because it's giving me a testimony of Jesus Christ. And anything that gives me a testimony of Jesus Christ has got to have practical application for my life even now. And so I just chose to teach it. And you know what? It's amazing. Even those that had said the first time around that, you know, I'm not so sure this is all that helpful. They came back later and said, you know what? That was a really, I was blessed by that book. Yes, you were blessed by that book because that's the promise given to us that if we'll study it, we will find blessing in it. But, you see, God says that public reading of this book, public study of this book won't only help us grow, but but it'll bring a blessing to your life that other books of Scripture, as much of a blessing as they are, they're not going to bring the same blessing. How contrary to God's view is much of the thinking today in the church that minimizes this book. Secondly, he tells us that this blessing is dependent upon our hearing the words of this book. Blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy. Now, hearing literally means, and i just taking in the words, it means to comprehend. It means to actively seeking to understand. In other words, meditating on. You see, it's possible to hear things without comprehending their meaning. Just ask my wife about that when she has conversations with me sometimes. I hear the words, but I'm not always thinking about the words. I'm going, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Can I go back to my, my sports show now? You know, but, and I learned that in college, too. You can hear the words, but never really take in what's being said. The idea here, though, is that there would be a connection between the ears and the brain. Even more than that, a connection between the ears and the heart that there be a connection between the ears and the heart. The idea of this is that we wouldn't just hear it, but that we'd meditate upon it, that we'd think them through, think the things through that we're looking at, chewing on them, letting them sink in. You know, I shared this uh, one time in the congregation. I said, you know, I try to do this all the time with the word of God, but I I try to do with the word of God like I would something that I really love to eat. And I love to eat lobster. I am a lobster fanatic. And when I eat lobster, I know I'm only going to get a little bit of it because I can't afford too much. And we only have it maybe once a year. But when I get that, man, I savor every little piece of it. That's the idea that we would chew it around, that we would just draw out of it every ounce of flavor that we can possibly find. And the idea here isn't that we're doing it with our own mind. We're not, we're not logically trying to figure it out, but that we're tossing around in our hearts in a sense that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to just take what we've taken in and, and to bring that forth. Show me what you're, what you're teaching me, your Holy Spirit. And he'll begin to, to lay that out for us. You see, the Holy Spirit is crucial in this understanding of this book. I, I think that, you know, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be yielded to the Spirit's work in your life. And if you really want to understand this book, because without the Holy Spirit, you'll never hear you're not going to, you'll not only not hear this book, you'll, you'll not hear the rest of what scripture teaches either, because it is the Holy Spirit that scripture tells us is the one who gives us hearing, who enables us to do that. You see, John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things. I said to you, he'll teach me all things, you know, i, I, I God calls pastors. And I know that, right? The scriptures tell us that he's called pastors to, to given, he's given them. In fact, scripture says he's given pastors and teachers as a gift to the flock. He's done that, but your dependency really should not be on me. And I hope it's not, but your dependency should be upon the Holy spirit. Cause ultimately he's the one who's even going to take the words that I give to you and begin to glean out in your heart. What's truth? What isn't truth? What was just Randy's junky fodder that he threw in there and the stuff that was important. you know. He'll sort through that with you and give you the understanding that you need. When I come to the scriptures to prepare, there, there isn't a moment that I'm not just crying out to the Spirit to help me understand what this passage is saying. I don't want to just regurgitate a commentator. I don't want to regurgitate what someone else has said. I want to know what God is saying in this. I want to make sure it's correct that what my understanding of it is. And only the Holy Spirit can help us do that he's our teacher in first corinthians chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 paul writes first corinthians 2 13 these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the holy spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned you see the role of the holy spirit in that paul's crying out to that this verse has always meant a lot to me because I think back to my pre-Christ days before I knew the Lord. How often I would try to read the Bible, you know. Book of Romans just threw me for a loop. I couldn't get it at all, let alone the Book of Revelation. <laughs> I mean, Revelation was like reading some f- language from another planet, you know. But but even the Book of Romans I couldn't get. And then I came to Christ. And within days of placing my faith in Christ, I opened up the book of Romans and it began to make sense to me. I began to understand the grace that I'd received. I began to see everything that got placed in there. It just began to open up and it's been the same thing with each and every book the more i've yielded myself to the spirit's work the more i understand of these things because it isn't the natural man that understands it's it's the spirit man it's it's the the man in whom the spirit is working that gleans these things and understands these things so if you have a hard time with the bible and let alone the book of revelation if you have a hard time with the Bible, maybe you need to go back and do that gut check of where you are in your walk with the Holy Spirit. Are you yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life so that he can open these things to you and you can begin? To understand. And by the way, people are so afraid anytime you get on top of the Holy Spirit, He's going to have you do something bizarre or you're going to get some kind of false message because it's going to be flesh. Listen to me. If you understand what the scriptures are speaking about when it talks about walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, talking about these things, it's far from anything that would lead you into false truth and error because the Holy Spirit will always align the things that He opens up to you, the understanding He gives to you, the, the experiences that you have through his power, will always align themselves with God's word. They'll always align themselves with God's word, and there's safety in that, you see? There's safety in that. So we see two things already, right? Read it, hear it, and then he gives us a third one. He said, the blessing is dependent upon our keeping what we've read and heard. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. In other words, it's those who approach this book with a desire to be what? Doers of it to be a doer of it, and not just a reader, and not just a hearer, but I'm coming to do what it is that God is showing me in this, that's the one whom God says he will bless. As one commentator said it best, he said, reading and hearing without keeping is like buying a Mercedes and reading the operator's manual from cover to cover, but then never turning the key or taking it for a drive. The blessing of owning that car will be limited because you're not using it. And that's how it is. If you want to appropriate the blessing that God has placed in this book, you need to read it, you need to hear it, and and anything less than this, and, and then you need to do it. And then you need to be willing to do it, and anything less than that is going to deprive you of the blessing that God intends for you to receive from this book. But what blessings are you going to receive? What blessings are we going to get from this book? Well, I'm going to give you seven of them this morning. Number one, you'll be blessed because this book will give you greater confidence in the truth, accuracy, and authority of God's Word as a whole. It will give you greater confidence in the truth, the accuracy, and the authority of God's Word as a whole. In the book of Revelation, you're going to find the fulfillment of a lot of prophecies given throughout Scripture all the way back into the Old Testament. In fact, a lot of the problems people have with understanding this book is that they don't do understand the prophecies of the Old Testament. Because if you look back in particular to Daniel, there are some other places as well. But in particular, Daniel, a lot of the things that are discussed in here are things that Daniel brings out in his writing in what we have in the book of Daniel today. And so we have this connectivity from the Old Testament to the New as we get to the book of Revelation, which would make sense, right? We go from Genesis in the Old Testament to Revelation being the last book and everything else in between. It's all one continuous theme. It's all one continuous account that's being given to us, and it's culminating here in the book of Revelation. And so as we begin to see this, as we begin to make the connections, we begin to see how Scripture has been fulfilled how scripture interprets scripture we begin to see that we begin to see the truth of God's word as a whole and more than with any other book of scripture you'll see that even though there are 66 books and 44 authors it's all one continuous word from uh, from God himself from cover to cover second you'll be blessed as you come to see Jesus as he really is People imagine and portray Jesus in all sorts of ways. In particular, people portray him in their own image most often. Just talk to people about Jesus. I'm not talking about talking about the unbelievers. I'm talking talk to Christians about Jesus. And it is amazing the kind of picture you get painted of who Jesus is, what his personality is like, how he relates to mankind, what he's doing for us. And oftentimes, they create a Jesus of their own making that looks just like them, Right? you got them on every camp you got the side on the camp where you know jesus is nothing but judgment and he's just going to take a rod of iron and he's just going to smack everybody because that reflects more of their personality and you got the other end of the spectrum where jesus is loving he wouldn't send anybody to hell because jesus loves everybody and so you know that's just if you read anything about hell in there jesus really never really said that somebody inserted it nonsense it's just a reflection of those people you see But when we study the book of Revelation, we get to see Jesus in his fullness. We see the Jesus of love and grace, and yet we see the Jesus of justice and righteousness. We see the Jesus who brings everything that God has said from beginning to end to pass, and he's going to finish the work, you see. You're going to see that even though Jesus came as a man, he's far more superior, he's far more majestic than any ordinary man. No other book of scripture will give you the full picture of Jesus as does this particular book of scripture. Number three, you're going to be blessed as you come to see the power and the complexity of God reflected in the pages of this book seeing the complexity and the power of God reflected here. You're going to see the complexities as you observe his ways of thinking and, and working. You'll, you'll get a sense of this as we grapple with the, the numeric symbolism, which I, I shared with you when we first started. I talked about that a little bit. Boy, the numerics in this book are all over the place, and they're symbolic. They speak of so many things.